Welcome back to the Sully Scoop, where three lifelong Husker bros dive in-depth on all surrounding the new era of Husker football, where our cups never run dry of the roulade, under head coach Matt Rule, made by fans for fans, with J-Sol, B-Sol, and T-Sol. The Sully Scoop is the official Nebraska Cornhusker football podcast, brought to you by Big Banter. We are back on your favorite Cornhusker podcast. That's the Sully Scoop. And if you can't already tell, better emotions coming into this podcast here because the Huskers came out on top finally for the first time this year, taking down the NIU Huskies at home at Memorial Stadium. First home game and the Huskers come out on top. Yeah, it's about time, Jason. And, you know, it just feels good to finally take care of business when Nebraska's expected to take care of business. We had two tough matchups to start the season at Minnesota, at Colorado, so it's nice to just come home and just start everything off the right way. And the number one thing to note is the fact that it was Harbaugh who got the start in place of the injured Jeff Sims. So Jeff Sims didn't play, and the Huskers win. As b would say, you hit the nail on the head there, t Big opportunity coming for Harburg there. He's a hometown hero from Lincoln, or in the area, pretty much Lincoln, if you're asking me. He's one of the guys that got a full-ride scholarship. He hasn't Nobody in Nebraska, in Lincoln, has gotten a full ride in 20 years since Harburg. Got the full ride. I think it showed that he played with his heart. Yes, he did come out with one fumble. But you know what? I would put it more on the offensive line. But I'm blaming Sims for all of his fumbles. I'm going to blame Harburg. But that is why Harburg gets the win as well. And Jeff Sims is taking all those L's. Now, I think there's two important parts here for you both to both to remember and focus in on. Harburg played very well. Yes. Um, the other thing that really stands out to me is he was our leading rusher in the game, both in carries and total yardage. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I don't love a running quarterback. You know, that's something that Nebraska's built their foundation on and had success with in the past. But that is not a recipe for success in today's college football. Those guys take too many hits. And especially now we got a guy who, in theory, can hang on to the ball aside from one, you know, bad block. Um, He would have played a turnover-free game. So I just would love to see the offense uh, with Satterfield and Matt Rule call a little bit cleaner game for Harburg where he's not the leading rusher, where he has a little more flexibility to give the ball to the running backs. See, I disagree. I disagree with you. <laughs> if he is your best playmaker, let him run the ball. If he is picking up first down after first down, let him run the ball. I do not care. Guess what? Now, Jason, are you are you saying are you saying Harburg is the best playmaker on the team? Is that what I just heard? He looked like the best playmaker on Saturday. Let me tell you, he led the team in carries for a reason, (laughs) had the most yards on the ground, and oh my, was he the first quarterback to lead this team to a win this year? Yes, he was. Now, do I think Jeff Sims would take down NIU? I sure hope so. But if you write four turnovers right next to his name, I am not sure that's going to happen. Guess what? Harburg only gave the ball away one time, and it happened to be in the red zone where our defense locked down and only gave up three points. However, Harburg turned the game around and had he had the momentum and showed that he could play in front of the hometown crowd. Yeah, Jay, so I, I'm with you. I was gonna I was gonna clap right at B Salt too. And the fact that 
if your best playmaker is going to be your running quarterback, you go with it. And in today's world, that wow, works. Wow, you hold see on. The NFL so you're saying that? You're saying, now you are locking in. You're officially saying Harvard's no, the best playmaker on offense. I am not saying that. Then who's the best playmaker on offense there? It was your boy Gabe Irvin until he went down with an injury. So he went down with five minutes left in the fourth quarter. Correct me if I'm wrong, but still had seven less carries than Harburg. Well, Bissell, again. Harburg wasn't playing with five minutes left in the fourth quarter. Bissell, if they were keying on Gabe Irvin, then yeah, the quarterback should take it himself. If it's open, you take it, you move the chains, and you keep the drive alive. And ultimately, when you're playing somebody like NIU, you don't, you don't, you know, prance around and get cute. You go right at them, you end the game, you get off the field. Simple as that. I'm not arguing that you take it right at them and you run the ball, you control the clock, and you win the game. That is the recipe for success. All I'm telling you is I don't feel that our quarterback, especially our backup quarterback, should be your leading rusher in total carries. If he led the team in yardage on less carries, that's a different story. That means he's getting big plays and he's breaking some long runs. He led the team in carries by a large margin, which tells me that nobody else was really getting anything going, that he was the only guy out there trying to run through people. How do you think touchdown Tommy ran college football back in 95 for the Huskers? He ran the ball. He used his ability with his legs because that is his best attribute to help the team win the game. Listen, if it's the backup quarterback that's in there, I don't care. Use his best ability, which is his legs. We all saw his arm count, his arm talent. Use his legs and let him do some work. And once you once the coaches tell him not to look to run and he's sitting back in the pocket to pass, that's what we saw with Taylor Martinez, Adrian Martinez, Tommy Armstrong. I mean, it was year in, year out. Guys now, hold on a second there, Jason, because Tommy Armstrong had a hell of an arm. He was an okay thrower. <laughs> I mean, you could say he had a hell of an arm. How was he doing in the NFL? Not too well because he didn't make it because he didn't have a hell of an arm. He had a hell of an arm compared to Taylor Martinez, Adrian Martinez. Co- and compared, even now, to, compared to Nebraska quarterbacks in the last 15 years. And how many have turned arm. out? How many have turned out to be NFL quarterbacks? Well, there's our first problem. Exactly. That's why. And guess what? One. We never had we One never had them. NFL quarterbacks like that. Nobody Tanner cares Lee. about your buddy Tanner Lee made it to the league, Jason. He got drafted. He made it to the league. And ultimately, I he would say he was play. the worst quarterback out of all the groups that were playing back then. Turnover, mm-hmm. Tanner. Yes, he made it to the league, but no, he never played on a Sunday in his life. Guess what? Back when the Huskers were winning all these championships, they did not have a passing quarterback there, B. So you want to know what they had? They had a running quarterback that wasn't afraid to run the ball, and that's how they ended up controlling the clock. And it is, comes down to the offensive line who was in front of them, but they allowed the quarterback to use his best attribute, which was his legs. Now, Jason, I like the take, except for the fact of how you're comparing Harbaugh to Tommy Frazier, because again, that was it's like your idiotic somewhere. take. That was your idiotic take of saying that Mike Riley compared to Nick Saban, two names that shouldn't be mentioned in the same. I sentence never compared here those two. Again. I I never compared <laughs> those two. I just want you to know that I, I think never... all the scoopers remember you comparing the two. What was it? Only like a month ago. I have never I don't even compared... know that it was that long ago. I have never <laughs> compared Mike Riley to Nick Saban. 
For everybody who seems to have amnesia, I can't remember. Jason was saying that Mike Riley was as good as Nebraska as Nick Saban was for Alabama. That's yep, 100%. that's a, that's a hot take in and of itself. And speaking of hot takes, Tiesel, we got some news this morning after the game on the Monday morning wrap up from Coach Rule and. How do you feel that your first hot take about Gabe Irvin getting seven touchdowns by Michigan is not going to come true since we got the news of his season-ending hip surgery? Diesel, I'm hot on this one. And, and that's because I think our offensive coordinator is a moron. Because when you have a guy like Gabe Irvin out there and you're not handing him the football against Colorado, you have to be an idiot in the second half. And ultimately that's what I'm calling our offensive coordinator. Unless he figures out that, Hey, Jeff Sims can't throw the football or hang on to the football. You better give it to your best athlete as a running back. And now we're going to have to deal with Anthony Grant because ultimately Gabe Irvin scored a touchdown against Minnesota. We all saw it. So don't even say he didn't get that touchdown. And he should have probably had at least another touchdown in that game because they should have featured him instead of Anthony Grant. And Colorado, he should have had at least two or three touchdowns in that game. He did finally have one against Northern Illinois, but again, why were we not giving him the football more than the quarterback, as Biso was touching on earlier? And we can only assume against Louisiana Tech that Gabe Irvin scored four touchdowns. I was the offensive coordinator. So, yeah, Biso, that was a hot take in itself, and I feel really bad for Gabe, and I hope that he comes back even stronger next year. That's It's a tough blow to lose Gabe. Uh, but also out of that news, we we lose two other guys. Ramir Johnson is also out for the season with shoulder surgery. And then also Dwight Boodle, who was starting to get a decent amount of looks on the defensive side, not just special teams anymore. He also is down for the year with soldier, so, shoulder surgery. Well, B-side, notice how you ducked all of my comments about Satterfield, our offensive corner. And I want you to really dive in. Do you truly believe that Satterfeld sets up our team to be the best offensive unit in the Big Ten? No, and that's why I believe the reports were Rule was calling the offensive plays this past season or this past game, and I really don't think that it looked that way. Satterfield seemed too excited on a couple of those touchdown runs to not be the one calling the plays, but the reports were Matt Rule was taking over offensive play calling because Satterfield had let him down against Colorado in the second half. He didn't just let him down. He let down the entire state of Nebraska with the just mind-boggling plays that he was calling in there. But the number one thing for me with this offense, if this offense is really going to just start you know, cooking on all cylinders, what is going on in that wide receiver room? And, Jason, I'm looking at you, and I'm blaming you for this because – you're calling for Marcus Washington to be our offensive MVP. And I feel like none of the wide receivers have done anything, anything mentionable this season, except for Fedone, who's now got a touchdown in the two straight games. Yeah, T. So you're going to come out here and blame the wide receivers. Look at the quarterback room. They do not have any arm talent. There was a they different quarterback this accuracy. week. Yeah. And you have already been saying that he stinks at throwing the ball. Why are you coming out here I trying to blame the wide receivers? 
Yeah, over and over again. Everyone has already heard it before. You do not trust this quarterback. You actually want a Jeff Sims, Mr. Throws a pick Sims. Wrong. Guess what? Sims doesn't know where the ball's going when he throws it. And Harbor can't throw a deep ball to save his life. This is just set up for failure for the wide receivers. They should just be stock blocking the entire game. Let either Harbor or Sims run the option. And if they get an opportunity to pitch the ball, guess what? They could pitch it back in the past. Now when you got Anthony Grant out there, I do not want to see a pitch. Just run an option and keep it every time. I I think the biggest thing here is the offensive play calling on the passing side. They are not calling plays to feature any of the wide receivers. None of these guys can take the top off a of defense. There's a couple freshmen who probably could, but they don't seem to have the playbook memorized enough to get out on the field. So you've got a handful of possession receivers who have decent speed, who are running best out of the slot or down the sideline, but they're not breaking away, which is why you're seeing Fadone finally get involved. Borkature in the first game of the season had a couple of good catches. I mean, that is just the tight ends are going to be the difference maker in the passing game, and that's about it. It's because nobody's taking the top off the defense, so the safeties can sit there and just watch the quarterback stare down his wide receivers. When are we going to see Malachi Coleman was pretty much the question that Bissell was just asking. Them. Look, he was a one of the top recruits, the top guy coming out of Nebraska itself. Why is this guy not in the game? Guess what? He's a freshman. I don't care. He is a big body, and this guy has the ability. He apparently has the talent to be one of the top guys in the country. Why is he not getting a look when your team is one and two on the year? And because not only apparently Alex Bullock is going to take the top off the defense. And and not and not only that, Jay Saul, it's the fact that our offense seems to be out of rhythm and struggles to really get anything going except for Irvin. And now, now they're going to even have to figure that out since it's out for the season. You know, we're going to have to figure out what other running backs want to step up and play. I mean, Emmett Jan- Johnson's going to get his first look of the season this week. And, you know, hope- hopefully he's hungry and ready for it because Anthony Grant is not, you know, he's not. Um, cemented in as the number one. He's already shown he's got uh, fumble problems. The coaches know he has fumble problems. So if anything like that arises, Emmett Johnson's going to take over as the number one. And, you know, there's going to be guys underneath him who are looking to get in as well. Now, T, you bring up a good point here. Emmett Johnson is a guy who I think really has a big opportunity to cement himself as possibly the top back. He could even jump Anthony Grant here in the next two games easily. Emmett Johnson is no slouch. In 2021, when he was recruited to the Huskers, granted he redshirted in 2022, he was Mr. Football in Minnesota. The guy played two ways, was a stellar running back, had 5,000 yards, 6,000 all-purpose yards. He Big-time playmaker, and it's going to be nice to hopefully see him get on the field, and let's see what you can do at the Division One level. Could not I agree. disagree with that. I was there first there, T-Saw, and I could not disagree at all. I mean, Emmett Johnson has the ability to come out here and show some talent. I mean, if Gabe Irvin can run the ball and Anthony Grant can run the ball, this offensive line is getting a lot better than they were last year on – the rushing side of it, but they got to, they got to work on their pass block and there's no reason that your quarterback should be getting hit, especially when you're in your own red zone. And, and 
to to dive into that, Jason, you're exactly right. Run blocking, this offensive line has really stepped up their game. They're creating holes and allowing these running backs and even the quarterbacks to make some decent runs because they are holding their blocks and they're taking those next steps. Pass protection is atrocious. I don't know that there's a single guy on this offensive line who has had a positive pass blocking game. In three games, every single one of the starting five has been atrocious. And for starters, the biggest disappointment on the offensive line is Turner Corcoran, who is getting an opportunity with Teddy being out right now. And he has just being been a total letdown. For the top offensive lineman out of the state of Kansas, what, a year ago, two years ago, whenever that was, to come in and you can't hold a block as a left tackle is a joke. All right, that's enough about this terrible offense. Everyone knows that's the worst part of the Huskers team. I want to talk about this defense coming out of this game. Listen, we have one of the best rushing defenses in the country. I mean, this is an NIU team that doesn't really have rushing in their scheme, but to only give up 26 yards on 22 attempts, that is a phenomenal job by this defense. It starts up front with the defensive line, who is playing outstanding and showing that they are dominant. And honestly, the biggest jump from last year. They made the biggest improvement from last year for this Husker team. And the defense only gave up 149 yards. And I think it starts with, you know, when a play happens and it's on defense, they rally to the ball. It is outstanding to see how many guys get to the ball. Even if it's on the other side of the field, the guy, if he breaks one tackle, he's getting lit up by three guys to where it's almost going to make him want to go down on the first guy to touch him. Jason. Jason, and that's what gives me confidence in every single person who's a Husker fan in the country because the Big Ten West, it ain't that good. And uh, having a defense like this, you could come out of the West. I mean, Iowa has shown that to us that, you know, they, they have any, if anything, their offense gives up more points than it scores in recent years. And, you know, they still put up eight, nine wins a year coming out of the Big Ten West. So Nebraska definitely could with this defense. They still got to figure out the turnover game, but I love the, the pressure that they get and the run stuffing ability. And it start, it all starts up front. And I got to give uh, props to Big Dog out there who was calling for Nash Hutchmacher because let's be honest, this guy is a freaking monster. Nobody can move him on the offensive line. When they are in an obvious pass situation, he still gets so much penetration up front. There's no stopping Nash. Nash is going to smash, I think is what Big Dog had mentioned. And I love having Ty Robinson. You know, he's he's evolved. He's now three-star Ty. He keeps this up. He's going to be four- and five-star Ty before you know it there, J-Cell. And, you know, we got we to gotta give a shout-out to J-Cell's guy as well in uh, – Cameron Lenhart, you better believe it because this freshman is a stud. I called for him to be a stud. I called for him to be the playmaker of the defense, which he is leading with sacks. This guy is phenomenal. He is a true freshman, and he is a standout. And he add him to those guys in Nash and, you know, one-star tie, as he so would call him. Yes, I think he brings out the best in Ty Robinson. Why? Because they are looking to double-team him rather than Ty Robinson. Yeah, I think the defense has been the biggest thing. But like T had said, 
they have to figure out how to create turnovers on defense. This defense is stout. They are not giving up yardage, but they See, I would disagree. Ta- they aren't taking the ball away. You need I would to disagree. come up with you need to come away with takeaways. I disagree. I think this team is phenomenal where they are. Listen, they are getting a lot of stops and not letting a lot of rushing yards come at them. So when we take on Big Ten foes, guess what? That's what the Big Ten do- does. They that's what they do best. They run the ball, they control the clock, and they get out of a game with a win. If they can't run the ball against the Huskers' defense, guess what? They're going to be punting the ball. Regardless if we get, if we get it over in a turnover or we get it through a punt, we're still getting the ball back. It's going to come down but to our offense Jay, holding so out the ball. A turnover would not, give the Husker offense a short field to try and score. We've seen this team try to not, score from their side of the field, and it's not very successful. You put up 10 points against a terrible Minnesota team. You cannot <laughs> let the game linger on getting turnovers. That is like trusting that the other offense is going to get rid of the ball like the Huskers have been doing. You cannot focus on turnovers. You got to focus on the yardage and stopping them I'm and not, getting a I'm three not saying out. focus straight on turnovers. I'm saying the defense needs to figure out how to create some opportunities. If they can they take the ball away and no, if they can take the ball away, give their offense positive yardage here, that's going to help the team evolve to take the next steps and Jason they are creating opportunities jay so you're gonna just let b just drop something like that and not even touch on it did you even hear what he said he said that terrible quote unquote that terrible minnesota team b that's quite a hot take there you know because i believe minnesota with pj fleck is an eight and nine win team the last couple of years and aren't they jay souls pick to win the West and he's not even going to sit out here and defend them. You're just well, going to let b say they're a terrible team. Well, b can ever say, can say whatever he wants. He lives in a delusional world. My pick to win the West already beat his pick to win the West. And he's going at that team <laughs> saying that they are not that good yet. They are leading the West as of right now, but they do have to take on Michigan and Ohio state, which would be tough, but I do not think that a tougher team, no, I do not think so. I think the winner of the West is going to have most likely three Big Ten losses. However, I do want to note, making opportunities happen is called forcing Northern Illinois to punt the ball nine times there, be so Nine. That is creating opportunities, and that comes down to the defense. You can't trust a, a game on turnovers. So just because a defense holds a team to punt the ball doesn't mean that the offense is put in a position where they're not going to turn around and punt the ball back. You've seen Absolutely the way our they offense, are putting that. No, you've seen the way that our offense plays. And once we get into okay. Big Ten play, it's going to be punt, 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 punt. Okay, so if we get the, the ball defense, at our own 20 or get the ball at our own fit or get the ball at the 50, what is the difference if we can't get a first down? There is no difference, B. So you want to know what makes a the difference is, good? is if you can the pick up 10 yards, you've got offense, a shot at the kicking The more a field goal. opportunities that the offense has the ball is going to make them much more successful. This defense is creating opportunities by not letting the other team score. The defense has the let back. the other team score, Jason. And you're uh, talking, our backups you're were talking, in when they scored a touchdown yeah. and went for two. That was our backups. Guess what? They did give up a field goal during the game, though. You want to know what that came down to? Our quarterback fumbling I'm not just the ball. And against they against Northern they Illinois. Held, I'm talking all together. They held Northern Illinois to a field goal from the five-yard line. Why are you I do arguing want you to with know. me about beating a MAC team? 
Okay, let's go to Colorado. The offense fumbled the you ball don't two times. Argue that one. Two times. And the defense got worn out zone. because they didn't take the ball away. They continued so to you're let Colorado. Blame the, you just blame the defense for the offense turning it over. No, I'm telling that is you what that you the just defense, said. The defense no, was tired the defense, because they couldn't take the ball away. Even the defense though they were was forcing points yeah, getting stopped. Because the defense continued to stay out on the field because they weren't taking the ball away. The offense would give the ball back, and the defense was just stuck out there because the offense stuck. kept they turning the ball to over. Punt the ball. They forced them to punt the ball, and two plays later, the offense turns the ball over. How are you going to blame the defense? But Jay, the so- defense has to jump out, jump routes, force fumbles. They have to create takeaways to give the offense more opportunities. That is the all name right, of the you game. You all heard it. Why don't the Huskers have 15 turnovers yet this year? We would be we would be undefeated if the Huskers had 15 to 20 turnovers. Probably That's would what we be. Need. We would be this undefeated. Just why we don't we have if the Huskers just were a little why didn't, to be an, even in the turnover why, battle? Why didn't NI – well, that is because our quarterback, Jeff Sims, sucks. Next thing, why didn't the Huskers get a turnover every single time NIU had the ball? Maybe because our defense then just sucks that much that we didn't get a turnover I every single time I never said they the defense sucks. Yep, everyone heard it. The Huskers are one and two when it comes down to the defense not getting opportunities. Listen, it comes down to the defense not creating turnovers and not giving the ball back. You're taking one small thing said and blowing it way out of proportion. No, I am not. You are blaming the defense right now for the losses. I'm not blaming the defense for the losses. All I'm saying is the defense needs to learn how to take the ball away. This has been embarrassing. The last five years, the Huskers defense has not taken the ball away consistently. So holding NIU to 26 yards on the ground is not a win. I'm saying that's impressive, yes. However, you should have held NIU under 10 points and gotten the free runs for the fans. Only giving up 11 points during the game is not impressive, especially when your backups Gave up the touchdown and two point conversion against That's not against impressive. a MAC team that you should have blown okay. out even more. They did blow them out, but you want to know why they didn't blow them out by more? I believe the offense stalled on many drives. I the agree defense, with you. How how could the defense you know create make this a bigger margin? The defense is not out there to score points every time. They're out there to stop the other team from getting first downs and getting into the red zone and kicking. Extra or kicking field goals or scored touchdowns. Guess what this defense did? They did exactly that. This team would have had a shutout if it wasn't for the offense turning the ball over while NIU got it in the red zone to start at the five yard line. And this defense clutched up. Now, Jay, so we all agree this is a MAC team. The defense played their hearts out. They're honestly the best, the best feature on our football team. But okay. We're diving into the Mac game too much. The only the only fan base that beating a Mac team should impress would be Northwestern, Purdue, Illinois, Michigan State. Uh, who am I missing? So Indiana. I I guess Iowa. it's not the only. I guess it's not. They're not the only then because you named now, about six there. Now, JSL, to to give you a comparison here. Um, Let's let's take a look because Ohio State played a lesser opponent this past week as well. They played Western Kentucky. Ohio State scored 63 points and gave up a total of 10 points. Ohio State also got three force fumbles, only recovered two of them, and they had two interceptions. 
That is the takeaway margin. How many yards do they have on offense? How many yards do they have on offense? How many yards do they have on offense? I want you to bring that up. More than the Huskers. Oh, I believe it is. I guess where yards on offense come from or yards gain come from. They don't come from the defense. But if you have how many yards do they have? How many yards do they have? If you'll let me speak, if you have extra possessions, you get extra yardage. That's common sense there, Jaysel. And so the total yardage for Ohio State was 562 yards. Okay, that is over. That is 200 more yards than the Huskers. You want to know where those points came from? 200 yards on offense. Guess what? How many how many turnovers did they have? How many turnovers did Ohio State have? Uh, they had two. Oh, okay. So, so that was away. Western they had Kentucky. Four takeaways Western and Kentucky should have won that game. Western Kentucky should have won that game. No, they still were negative two in the turnover battle there. And all I'm trying to prove to you is that when you get extra takeaways and extra, or when you get takeaways and give your team extra possessions, it leads to more points and it leads to a better football team. I don't understand what's so hard for you to grasp on. Maybe the gap between Ohio State and maybe the gap between Ohio State and Western Kentucky is just bigger than the gap between. Nebraska and NIU and another thing you are saying that the win the game the defense needs to learn how to get takeaways that is not how you win a game you want to know how you win a game you keep the other team out of the end zone and that is what this defense has been doing very successfully now what's your excuse for our offense our offense is giving the ball away so that is turnovers that is not our defense out there going hmm we got to so, get more so the takeaways is because giving the ball so away because and you're right. That's... You're right. Because we have Jeff Sims as our quarterback, our defense needs to account for that and get six turnovers a game. If we want to compete. I never said they needed to get six turnovers. You're right. All I'm seven. saying is they need they to need start seven. forcing takeaways. So that is not what the game comes down to. It should not have to come down to turnovers. You should already win the game. Why? Because you were getting stops and holding them out of the end zone like the Oscars did against NIU, like they did against Colorado for a half, except for, you know, Colorado starts with the ball in the red zone already. Why? Because Jeff turns the ball over. Sims is the quarterback. And guess what happened against Minnesota? The defense held Minnesota to 13 points held Minnesota. Our offense couldn't score more than 10 points. Guess what that comes down to? Four turnovers. And you're going to come out here and blame the defense for not getting six turnovers that they lost that game? I don't know why. That is outrageous. The defense is the only... The Your defense logic is, the is only, outrageous. The How can you say that the take, a defense that taking have, the ball away doesn't help? How does that it does make any help. sense? It does help. I'm not saying it doesn't help, no, but you, you're you saying just have, that you is what discredited takeaways completely. Oh, you don't need takeaways. You just hold them out of the offense. You just hold them out of the end zone. You, yeah, I guess and you, you put need all takeaways if your quarterback is Jeff Sims. Yards if, your quarterback, if your quarterback is Jeff Sims, then yes, you need takeaways. But you shouldn't have to account for that. This is your offense not being able to hold on to the ball, turning the ball over four times. They turn the ball over against Minnesota. And Minnesota only put up 13 points. And you're going to come out here and blame the defense on Which that game. Outrageous me take outrageous. to a terrible Minnesota team. <laughs> you're right. 100% the defense's fault. I am so sorry. I did not. When did I put I all did, the onus on the defense? I might have not. I must have not watched the right game. I was watching the wrong game because I the defense didn't get put all the onus the on def- the defense. Because Ty Robinson didn't get seven interceptions there, T-Cell. That's why we lost the game. Now, Jason, it sounds to me like 
you started drinking some brulee or something over the weekend. I thought you were on the train. You were choo-choo. Did you get off at the next stop? Because you were you were offering to pick me up at the next stop. It sounds more like you I, got off the train. I am still on the train. Why? Because Jeff Sims is still listed as the starting quarterback when he comes back. Jeff turns the ball over. Sims is still the quarterback, so it's hard to win games. You're right, Bissell. If Jeff turns the ball over, Sims is going to be the quarterback. You got to account for those and get seven turnovers a game on defense and learn how to get the ball back. Why? Because holding them out of the end zone, guess what? That's not going to do anything when your offense can't even get in the end zone. Well, Jay, so you just got to get it through your thick skull that – our defense doesn't get the takeaways that you're expecting. It doesn't matter. You do not have to get the takeaways if you're holding the other team out of the end zone. Your offense needs to learn you, how to score. Your what, offense whatever needs to learn you how think, to not turn it over. Whatever you think on this subject, our defense will not and does not get the takeaways. We will probably get another interception against Louisiana Tech, but then we're pretty much done for the season, except okay, for maybe a random go- two against Iowa. You want to know where the issue is coming from then there, Tiesel? It's not the defense not getting takeaways. It's the offense giving takeaways. The offense has nothing to do with we're, the defense We're not even talking away. about the offense giving the ball away right now. All we're saying is that the defense needs to be able to force takeaways. Okay. If you okay, want to be right. elite, if you want to be elite, you got to be able to take the ball away. You do not have to take the ball away to win a game. You hold them out of the not end zone. Not to win a game, score. to be elite, there's a difference. Oh yeah, because a one and two team—that's how every—that's how every elite team starts. Jason, did you tune into the Colorado game this past weekend? Because you know, if Shiloh Sanders didn't get a pick six, Colorado would have lost. So it would be nice if Nebraska had oh, a Shiloh Sanders. They out were there. a twenty-four point favorite. Maybe they're just overrated. I doubt that. And I also want to tell you, can go a yes. different way every yes. time. Oh, that's why the number 19 team in the country opens up as a 20 and a half point dog. Jay, so I think the country's about to find out the Colorado's for real when they 20, take Colorado off the field. Let's just remember and a Colorado half barely beat Texas Tech. Number, How good is Texas Tech? Patrick Mahomes isn't playing there anymore. I believe you're trying to talk about Oregon, but we can go back on this subject anyways. How is the number 19 team in the country a 20-and-a-half-point dog? However, the number 22 team, who's going against the number 11 team, is only a 7-and-a-half-point dog. How does this even make sense to you? How does it make sense? Why? Because Um, ESPN is all over Colorado. So is everyone else in the media. It is ridiculous. Colorado is overrated. They are unclassy and unsportsmanship. And guess what? They are going to lose this week against Oregon. USC is going to beat them. Utah is going to beat them. And Colorado is not going to be playing for the Pac-12 championship. They will make a bowl game. Guess what? They're better than expectations. I agree with you. They already hit those wins. But let's stop talking about Colorado. This isn't. I don't agree with them. This isn't your. This isn't your tape for an interview at ESPN, Jason. Nobody cares about Colorado. I would have already been told to leave. If that that was the tape I went in for at ESPN, I would have already been told to leave. Because if you're not on your knees for Colorado, you can't work at ESPN. Clearly. Well, Jason, but they are a twenty-one-point dog against the number a big ten reason. team in the country. That okay. is a reason. There's okay. a big so reason why you should be buying Colorado 19. stock so, against Oregon. Hold up, one hold big up. reason. Number ten, number ten team against the number nineteen team is a bigger gap than the number eleven team versus the number twenty-two team. Is that what you just told me, Jason? I'm telling you this. No, There's I'm one asking reason you should is be that what buying. You just told me? 
Fiso, that is what you just There's said. There's one so the number to be buying. The number 10 team versus the number 19 team, that's a 20 and a half point spread right there. The number 11 team versus the number 22 team, that is a seven and a half point spread. That makes sense to you. Take Colorado um, with the it's points. Actually, it's actually dropped a little bit more, but. Okay, what is it then? What is it uh, there, Fiso? It's a uh, four and a half point spread now. Oh, even better. So the number 11 team to the number 22 team is four and a half. But the number 10 to number 19 is 20 and a half point dogs. Then why? It is because Colorado was overrated. And guess what? Even if they lose this game, they might move up in the rankings. You know, Depends James, you lose for it. the first time, for the first oh time, all they just all almost lost to a winless for, team. Yeah. For for the first time, oh, all oh, this whole episode, group of five. He's, he's making a lot of sense right now. Um, Who is? That doesn't make any sense. I, I told you from the get-go, though, Jason, I'm not a believer in Colorado. I think Colorado ends with a max of six or seven wins. <laughs> so you're telling me I make sense. You're telling me I, I make I sense. I did just tell you that, yes. Jason, weren't okay, you arguing that Colorado was a minimum of a New Year's Six team last week? Who's that? And Jason did. He said I that Colorado seen... was a New Year's Six what? team. <laughs> I believe that was you, Tiesel. You said buy into the Dion hype. And everybody get aboard that. I'm telling you. In. Listen, here's here's the argument for you, Jay. So there's one argument as to why you should be buying into Colorado right now. Shadir Sanders, the guy is legit. He's a monster of a quarterback. And if you think he's Colorado's, he's classless. Think, I don't care what he is. He's a good football player. Okay. He's and an average. I'll quarterback. tell you this. I'll tell average you, at best. Oh yeah. He throws okay. the when's ball. The last time, he throws the when's ball. When's the last time you seen an average quarterback? Throw 1,200 yards, 10 touchdowns, one pick. When's the last time you've seen an average quarterback do that? Uh, Sam Bradford. I don't think Nebraska's ever Landry seen a quarterback Jones. do that. When, when's, the, when's the last time Nebraska's had a quarterback like that? So, Jay, so uh, you'd rather play Jeff ball, Sims than Shadir Sanders. Two completely different things. This is ridiculous. He throws the ball 60 times a game, and no, he should not have been, you know, the quarterback right. of the week last let, week. Go look at Michael Penix's junior Jeff stats Sims. because he is better. Michael Penix Jr. is better than Shadir Sanders. But you're arguing two elite quarterbacks. So oh, you have a legit case. So I can't be right. An I can't be right. Yeah, I can't be right. I can't so, be right because Jay, either so way, you're just going to take argument, one Jay, Jay, so your argument, let's go let Jeff Sims throw the ball 60 times next week. And we'll see what happens. He's bound to throw 10 touchdowns in one pick, right? Bound to. It's not even what I said. Then what you I'm telling you is I, this. You already know how I feel about Jeff throws a pick Sims. Second of all, yes, if you put Jeff Sims on that team, I think he would be better at throwing the ball. Why? Because <laughs> Colorado has some of the top wide receivers and athletes in college football at this time. It would be easy. And guess what? It's not like Shadir is out there throwing against Jeff some Sims would have wild, ta- on wildly talented. Jeff he Sims couldn't handle that pressure. Whatever. Every game with Whatever. pressure, You're ridiculous. which is, Go which is the games we played, he just dropped then. the football. Go get on Dion's train. Where where are your sunglasses at tonight, huh? I already got them in the mail, baby. And let me tell you this, Jason. Okay, the reason why Colorado is a big dog against Oregon is why? because now they're starting. They're, they're starting to judge and think that these wins actually don't mean anything. They're looking at because they don't Colorado. 
But, but you and I both know that Nebraska is a better a team than the record shows. and a half point favorite, 24 and a half point favorite. And they went into double overtime. And the only reason they beat Colorado State is because Colorado State, who was locking down the wide receivers of Colorado, decided to go into a prevent, which allowed Shadir Sanders to hit the wide receivers like Jimmy Horn and let Jimmy Horn to do magic with his legs. If you're going to let Jimmy Horn get out there and put some, you know, moves on you, guess what? You're not going to be able to keep up with them. Why? Because Colorado State's talent is not at the level of Colorado's athletes that they brought in. However, they do not play disciplined football. They are not a good football team. They, yes, they have athletes. I would call them showcase players, but they are not a good team. They are going to lose to Oregon. That is why they are a 20 and a half point dog when they are a ranked team, which is outrageous. They're not even going against the number one team in the country. So, Jason, now, now then your Jay argument Zell would be that the Texas Longhorns are the best team in the country then because they're the only team who has yet to play a close game. Is that what you're saying? Now, because now, Florida State almost lost to Boston College. They probably should have lost to Boston I College. I would say that they should have lost to Boston College if it wasn't for 18 penalties. Now, don't get me Did wrong. Did you tune into the Georgia game this Boston weekend? College, Boston College could just be a very undisciplined team. However, I think, you know – the ACC refs all of a sudden started to panic when they knew their their team in Clemson has already got a loss. If they want to get into the college football playoff, they are going to need an undefeated or one-loss team. And guess what? Florida State is their ticket to the playoff. Florida State is going to get all of the calls. Did and you yes, tune I did in? Tune, yes, did I did you tune in to Georgia. Georgia is not against a terrible South the Carolina team. Georgia is not as good as they were the past two years. I don't so know why that's so hard to So then you wouldn't rank them number understand. one? No. So who's your number one team? Texas. Texas? <laughs> they beat Alabama. Oh, you're right. Why isn't Colorado ranked number Bama one? Alabama didn't even come out of West they... last year. LSU was better than Bama last season. And I would okay. expect LSU's better than them again this year. That is why LSU got obliterated by Florida State. Because Florida State's legit, Jason. Yeah, Boston team's College is even game. more legit. They won. Boston College is even more legit. They should hey, have won. That stakes our claim because they played a close game with Northern Illinois. So that stakes Nebraska's penalties. claim as elite. You just remember that. Penalties. Eighteen penalties. Texas should be the number one team. They beat a, a highly ranked Alabama team, as they Who were supposed there? to win. It wasn't an upset. They were supposed to win that game. You're right. Colorado should be number one in the country. No, you know what, Jason? Penn State should be number one because they beat they beat Illinois thirty to thirteen, as they should have done. But you Penn know what? State they thought is overrated. it was kind of hard to play in Champaign. It was a little chilly that night they played. This is just an outrageous take because I called Dion a terrible coach. What? How do you think he's a terrible coach? Because he's three and zero. Okay, now it's all comes full played. circle back to the stupid Pac Four. Nobody he cares hasn't, about. He hasn't Why don't we get back that's on top and talk about what surprised you guys out of the Big Ten this past week? Colorado hasn't beaten a team over five hundred. Congratulations, TCU. TCU is two and one. Uh, Their only loss is Colorado, and I bet you it stays that way for a while. Because TCU TCU is a top ten team now. Nebraska's if only loss is Colorado. Loss, no, it's not. Yeah. We didn't lose to Minnesota. Our offensive coordinator lost to Minnesota because he's an idiot. 
We didn't lose okay. to Minnesota. There's no reason at all we lost to Minnesota. I'm not giving them credit for a win. They didn't beat us. We literally threw a pick and fumbled the ball at midfield to give them two field goals to win. Am I right or am I right? They didn't beat us out there. It's, it's still a loss on the schedule. Not according to me. I wrote it as a W on my sheet. And just like that, the Huskers are undefeated. <laughs> so what do you think about Florida, Jason? Do you think Florida's the best team in the country now because they beat Tennessee? I never said I thought Tennessee was all that great. They're an SEC team. There's something called the SEC bias. Well, they're not going to have that this year. They're dropping every game. Yes, exactly. Texas beat Alabama, and Alabama's a good team. Alabama beats the Oscars. Alabama beats Colorado. Probably not. Oh, my. This is this is now it's just getting outrageous. Where do you get that? I bet you that's an entertaining game, Alabama versus Colorado. I bet you it just is. Just like just like Colorado State, Colorado was entertaining. Al- Jay, so Alabama's Colorado on the State, Colorado State is the favorite if they take on Alabama. You are right. It's Alabama's probably a, Alabama's probably a 20 and a half point dog against Colorado State. How many times do you see your Chicago Bears show up against the Green Bay Packers, Jason? Well, they're not my Chicago Bears, and we're not even talking about the NFL. You're just bringing in terrible analogies. Why? It's because your point makes zero sense. (laughs) It makes a lot of sense. A rivalry game, anything happens in it. Last year, a four-win Nebraska team beat an eight-win Iowa team. So are you betting on Georgia Tech to upset Georgia? That's not even a true rivalry game. Any, anything happens. If they play on rivalry weekend, anything I happens. I don't care if they play on rivalry weekend. That's not, a, that's not Georgia's rival. If you go okay. around to Georgia and ask them who the rival is, they're going to point to Florida. That's going to be the first team they point to. And you think Colorado goes ahead and points at Colorado State as their rival? Yes. They have a name of the rivalry. It's called the Rocky Mountain Rivalry. There's a name to the rivalry. It means something. Yeah, and the broken chair between Nebraska and Minnesota is the biggest rivalry in college football. That's a Twitter rivalry. They have a name. They have a name. That's a Twitter rivalry. Iowa Iowa State is a better example. Iowa should beat Iowa State 100% of the time, but they don't because Iowa State shows up to play Iowa. That's why they beat them last year. Iowa State is one of the worst teams in college football. This is a terrible take. They're on par with Kansas. As two of the worst teams in all of college sports. And probably Illinois fans who think that the Kansas loss is a good loss are delusional because Kansas is literally one of the worst teams in all of college sports except for basketball. Jay Salt, would you rather lose to Colorado State or Kansas? I don't even know how we got here, yeah, to be honest. You know I, it's hard to follow. Colorado you. State. It's hard to follow when you were talking. <laughs> you know the answers. You'd rather lose to Colorado State than Kansas. Hey, no, you're not wrong. I would, I would too. Lose, I would rather, rather lose, lose to a Power 5 school. I would They're rather not lose a power to a Power 5, five. team. Yes, they are. They play in the Big 12. Barely. They play in the Big 12. Barely. Okay, the Huskers barely play in the Big 10. So Illinois barely true. plays in the Big 10. That's not Wins. true. How is that not true? Indiana barely plays in the Big Ten, and so does Illinois, not Nebraska. How not? Nebraska has lost to Illinois the past We've three years. We've been to a Big Ten championship game. Do you, or do you forget that? Do you have short-term memory loss? 
We came into the Big Ten over a good team. And because of Sean Eichhorst, he dug that team and tore them apart, hiring Sprinkles and then Scott Frost, who Scott, who gives a damn Frost, is pretty much what his name is. What it comes is down to for me, I would rather lose to a takes. Mac team. I would rather you lose have, to a Mac team than Kansas. You have the worst takes I have ever heard in my life. You do. Because you don't believe in Colorado and you should. Colorado's a great team. I would rather lose to <laughs> SMU than Colorado State. Now, that makes no sense. How does that not make sense? The SMU is on the same caliber as Colorado State, and they are a better team. According to who? Colorado State is has how many wins this year, Tiso? How many points were they the favorite by? How many how many points was uh Colorado favored by? 24 I'm telling and a you it's half. A rivalry. 20... I'm telling you it's a rivalry. You give up to this is <laughs> 24 and a half points is outrageous to go to double overtime. How that big of a favorite a was Nebraska? Game. How big of a favorite was TCU? Upsets happen, Jaso. Get it through your thick skull. Teams uh, show Nebraska, up to play in the spotlight. Nebraska was not favored in that game. I believe over the summer wrong. we were like an 18 and a half point favorite. Uh, when the game and we came lost by like fruition. 30 points. So what the game opens up as is what the spread is. Okay, fine. No, Colorado was a seven point favorite and they beat us by 30. Are you happy? Okay, so they didn't get upset then. So are you happy? Are you happy losing by 30 points? Yes, I. you proved my point. You proved my point. Okay, I'm just glad that, to know that you're happy losing glad, by 30 points. Yeah, I'm glad we're lo- we lost to you know your so-called national championship caliber team, who I never is said a 20-and-a-half-point dog. 20-and-a-half-point dog. Jay, so all the people who believe you, in Oregon You have are no delusional. comeback to that. You have zero coming. Look, I mean, Vegas, USC Vegas is, an is clearly so. USC they, is people, an argument. Now, so the Oregon. people that make the spreads, the people that Not create Utah. the spreads in Vegas, the people that create the spreads in Vegas are stupid because T Cell thinks so. <laughs> they is get that what it you're wrong saying? Sometimes they get it wrong. Sometimes so they're. I mean, clearly they got it wrong last week with Colorado. That is why Colorado is a twenty and a half point dog. You're gonna you're gonna be off the Dion train here next week when Colorado beats them. Okay. Okay. If what if Colorado wins, who's getting off the train then? Then they would be four and zero. So I'm not out here saying Oregon is the best team. They're still a twenty and a half point favorite though, so they should mollywop. Mollywop. Okay. Jason, if Colorado beats Oregon, I expect you to go out there and buy a. Dion t-shirt. It doesn't have to be a Colorado t-shirt. It'll be a Dion t-shirt. Well, nope. what do you have to be scared of? Because Oregon's going to mollywop them. I, I would even and you wear have to wear it, it next week on the podcast. If Oregon beats, or if Colorado beats Oregon, you have to buy a Dion t-shirt and wear it next week at the podcast. No. Yeah. that See, that right there is why they shouldn't be a 22-point favorite, because you have no confidence picking Oregon to beat them. They're only a 20 and a half point favorite. Okay. Exactly why they shouldn't be a 20 and a half point favorite. What do you have to lose? They're they're 20 and a half. Easy win. You won't have to buy a Dion t-shirt. Because I don't care about what happens in that game. The truth comes out because you're nervous because you know that Oregon doesn't deserve to be a 20 point favorite over Colorado. And you're not confident Colorado's not going to win. 
They should have lost last week. They Jason, get I'm with every you. call. They should have lost. They get every. Did you see any of the flags? They get every single call. So you don't think that Oregon is really a 20-point favorite? <laughs> I am not betting against the refs in college football when everyone has seen in and out from every single game that the refs change the outcome of college football games. So there you go, Scoopers. You have it. Jaisal isn't – I'm not even giving him – I'm not even telling him to cover the spread with 20 points. I'm just saying Colorado wins, which would be a 20-point I do not underdog. care about Colorado. I do not care about Colorado versus Oregon. Shouldn't I'm matter saying, if the people in Vegas aren't well, idiots, according to you. Well, based on that amount of time between then and that answer, I'm going to guess that JSL also has no faith in Oregon to beat uh, Colorado, as nobody really should at this point in time. But, you know, as we jump into the Big Ten games around the country and and see how they panned out, there's just no real surprise games for me, I think. For me, every game this week panned out the way you expected. You know, I expected Penn State to pummel Illinois. I expected Washington to come in and bully Michigan State. You know, you could say maybe the score was the most surprising there. I I mean, Minnesota's a solid unit, but ultimately North Carolina's probably going to be a top 10 team in the country when it's all said and done. So, you know, watching them beat up on Minnesota was very much expected on my end. Northwestern doesn't even have a football team. And, uh, you know, some people might be surprised that uh, Syracuse lost or Syracuse beat Purdue. But then when you really think about it, Purdue is absolutely horrible. So that one really shouldn't shock you at all. To me, there's no shocking games in the Big Ten. I think everything panned out the way you expected. Even Rutgers beating Virginia Tech because that's Purdue's only win. And Purdue is one of the bottom feeders this year, it looks like. Yeah, I'd agree with you, T-Cell. I think all the uh, games went the way they probably should have. I would have said the most surprising thing was probably Iowa scoring 41 points this past week. That's a uh, that's a far cry from our normal Brian Ferentz offense. I do yeah, want to say something that was kind of surprising was Wisconsin pulling away at the end against Georgia Southern. Mind you, this was a close game, a one-score game into the fourth quarter. While Georgia Southern lost the game against Wisconsin, this game came down to six turnovers Georgia Southern gave away while they were driving. Georgia Southern had way more yards than Wisconsin. Georgia Southern should have probably came away in this game victorious like they did against the Huskers last year. However, they did not find a way to come out on top in this game while scoring you know, 14 points, they had 455 yards on offense. Yeah, and just looking around the Big Ten, it just seems like the Big Ten isn't at its full power potential this season. It seems like the teams that are battle-tested have lost those tests, and the the larger teams who are supposed to be, you know, revving, you know, getting ready for the playoffs and revving their engines like Michigan – decided to play teams like Bowling Green instead of actually jogging out and playing a Power 5 unit. And so based on what I'm seeing around the Big Ten this year, I'm not expecting the Big Ten to either – I'm expecting the Big Ten to either miss the playoff altogether or have another terrible showing and be one and done in the playoff. If if a team like Michigan or Ohio State or Penn State runs the table with, like, just the watered-down Big Ten this year. So any of our betting – people out there i would say bet 
on the Fighting Irish this week against Ohio State. I just think the Big Ten has a down year this year. Ohio State isn't fully certain on their quarterback play, and ultimately, Notre Dame has a Heisman contender playing for them. They got a good one who transferred in there, so I fully suspect Notre Dame to beat Ohio State this week, and it might be ugly. Now, Tiesel, does that mean that you've got the Golden Domers replacing Michigan in your Final Four predictions? If I redid my predictions, I think that's the way that I would do it. And I would also lean – it's just one of those weird, weird years because the SEC is losing all their matchups and the Big Ten is losing all their matchups or avoiding them altogether, <clears throat> Michigan. So it's just – it's it's one of those weird years for me. So, you know, because I like my pick of USC, but Washington looks really tough. So – I kind of want to lean Washington if I was repicking them, but I mean, USC is still a solid pick. Florida State looks like a lock to me at this point. Notre Dame looks like a lock to me at this point. And I don't know if I love my LSU pick, but if they run the table and beat Georgia in the championship, I suspect that LSU will get in at that point. But, you know, if they lose to Bama, they're out. And ultimately, Bama might have already been eliminated losing to Texas in the first place. Jason, yeah, would... what do you think about the playoff? Because I think all the teams you picked have already been eliminated. Yeah, not a hot start for me, but I'll tell you what, if my teams just won their games, they would be sitting pretty. Now, Tiesel, I would not say Jason is 0 for 4 yet. He's still got Ohio State picked. Uh, however, that dream could come crashing down pretty quick uh, this weekend against Notre Dame. However, wow. if they do be if they beat Notre Dame, I still think they have an opportunity to get into the playoff if they run the table and go undefeated and win the Big Ten championship. Yes, an undefeated Ohio State team would get in, Jason. I would agree a with you on that. A one loss Ohio State team would get into the playoffs. Jason, here's my hot take for you then. Because I still a don't think Ohio to Notre State. Dame. A I one don't loss think to Notre Dame there, B so I doubt it. I doubt it. The Big Ten's not strong enough to get a one loss team in. They the Big Ten's gonna have to be undefeated. He I believe he's he was saying a one-loss Ohio State and then also a one-loss Notre Dame. No, I'm saying a one-loss Ohio State team would get into the playoff. I, I think a one-loss Notre Dame team gets in over a one-loss Ohio State team. I agree. It because probably depends look, on that if, game, though. If you look at Notre Dame's schedule here, I've got – you think Notre Dame, okay, they beat Ohio State, then they beat Duke. Uh, you go down, and then let's say they lose to USC, but it's a close game. If that's their only loss – they're in. Well, it depends how strong USC. I mean, if USC at that point is the third best team in the Pac-12, I don't see the argument to put Notre Dame in there. Depends what the separation is between the rest of the Pac-12 teams there. But here, here's my hot take that you know I just decided to come up with for this week, and this one's aimed at Jaso and 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 his last team he's got hanging on by a thread there at Ohio State. Here's my hot take for you, Jaso. If Ohio State beats Notre Dame this week. I bet you they have a letdown game the following week. And you know who they play the following week? Oh, wait, actually, it looks like they got a bye week. Let's see. They got a bye week. And then a letdown game after their bye week. And you know who they play after that? Maryland. Book it. But that's only if they lose to Notre Dame. Or, I mean, if they beat Notre Dame. No, I can't say I'm getting on board with that hot take as I do not see Maryland upsetting Ohio State. Well, then that means that Notre Dame is going to beat Ohio State. 
T, so that means a hot take of yours would be coming true. So I'm telling you, it's one way or the other. After October 7th, Ohio State will have at least one loss. And I disagree with that hot take. Now, I would have had a T-cell-type hot take going into this game, uh, going into this week. However, I will say it's a little more concerning now that uh, Casey Thompson did confirm a toward ACL for Florida Atlantic because I would have told you Florida Atlantic was going into Champaign and would come out with a victory over Illinois this week. I'd still it's still down. it still is doable, uh, but losing Casey is going to be huge for them to try and replace him. I yeah, I would still lean at picking that upset because based on what I've seen with the Big Ten this year, you know they're dropping games all over the place, and the the only the only team who's who's dropped games so far to opponents that are actually good is Nebraska, and you know since we lost to Minnesota, but I put it as a dub on my sheet because there's no reason at all that we lost. And then Colorado, who's been a good team. And Purdue's been trying to argue that Fresno's better than what everyone thinks, but I'm still not sipping on that Kool-Aid. Yeah, I would agree with you, T-Soul. I don't know that um I don't know that Fresno was all that good to begin with anyway. Um Purdue looks like they're gonna be in trouble and I don't think they've got a shot this week. Uh, playing Wisconsin, especially on a, I believe it's a Friday night game there. You see, I actually kind of do give Purdue a chance because I think that Wisconsin is just very overrated. I, I think Wisconsin's getting all the favoritism. They got the easiest schedule in the West, and I think they're going to fumble with you know, the schedule and everything on the line. I don't think Wisconsin is a very good football team at all this season. I mean, losing to Washington State is the period on that statement for me. Yeah, I can't say that I got, you know, Wisconsin covering the points here and, you know, beating Purdue by six points. Now, Purdue was not good by any standards, but neither is Wisconsin. I mean, it's two new head coaches, two new quarterbacks, two new systems, two new everything. And this is going down on the road for Wisconsin, who has had to pull away late against a Buffalo team and a Georgia Southern team. And Purdue has lost to Fresno State this year, which is not a good loss by any standards. And therefore... I think that this could be a very close game. It could be a coin flip at the end of the game. I agree. And, I mean, looking at Wisconsin's defense, they don't look to be as strong as what I think Wisconsin has been used to for the last couple of years because they decided not to hire their stud defensive coordinator as their head coach, and that might come around and bite them this season. Well, I sure think it's going to bite them for one game when it becomes it's personal for Illinois versus Wisconsin. Why is that personal? Because that is where Jim Leonard went. He's on Illinois coaching. With Bielema? Yes. Yeah, that doesn't seem to have panned out very well so far for the fighting Illini. You know, Leonard Leonard might be arguing his side that it takes more than a year to to well, show their defense. He's, but he's, he's, giving he's, up he's an analyst to Toledo is pathetic. He's an analyst for them. He's not their defensive coordinator. So he's their defensive analyst? Well, you would have to ask Scott Frost what an analyst does to make sure you're, you're correcting it or, you know, counting it the right way. As we all know, Scott Frost got caught for cheating with his analysts. But all I know is this week we've had a lot of back and forth with a lot of Illinois fans, and they seem to think that 
you know, their losses are justified. And I just can't find it in myself to justify a loss to Kansas and giving up 34 points to Kansas. I would agree with you, Tisol. I think Kansas is much improved uh, these last two years than they had been in years past. However, it's still Kansas, just like it's still Illinois. You're talking about two programs that have not been relevant in years. And so all of a sudden they get a taste of what it's like to be somewhat relevant. And now they think any loss that they suffer is justified. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at Kansas' schedule and I, I think they'll be lucky to go six and six, or maybe that's where I'm projecting them to go. You know, I don't see them going seven and five. Five and seven is possible. I think six and six is likely likely for the Jayhawks since they beat Illinois. But I think these next five weeks is going to be a rough five week for any Jayhawk fan. I, I'm looking at their schedule. I expect them to lose to BYU this week because I expect BYU to be in the Big 12 championship game this year. Because BYU is a better program than what most people think, and the Big 12 is a pretty terrible conference. So I expect BYU to go in there and make noise right away. So I expect them to lose to BYU, lose to Texas, lose to Central Florida, lose to Oklahoma State, lose to Oklahoma. In that order, five in a row. Now, if the Jayhawks do get lucky enough to pull off six wins here, Tiesel, how would you feel about them taking on a Colorado team who will also probably have that six or seven wins in bowl season? I think you would be crazy to project Colorado with six wins. I think six wins is a guarantee for Colorado at this point. And, you know, unless more injuries happen to them or something crazy happens. I mean, coming out of the Pac-12, they're guaranteed six wins at this point. But that means it's time we got to start previewing our game this week against Louisiana Tech. And I know it's another one that, you know, gets us out of bed in the morning as we get up ready to to play the Louisiana Tech whatevers, you know. Exciting. The Bulldogs, T-Cell. They are the Bulldogs. Yeah. More like the puppy dogs after we get done with them. For me, T-Cell. Uh, for me, for me coming into this game, it's going to just sit strictly on the quarterback situation. I don't care that we got new running backs coming out there. They should be able to run over whoever Louisiana Tech is jogging out. For me, it's all about the quarterback play. And ultimately, if uh, they don't run Harburg out there, I'm not going to be a happy fan sitting at home. I think Sims has been benched officially in my book since Harburg went out there and got a win. Sims is benched in my book until Harburg shows, hey, he needs to come out for Sims. I don't know that I would go as far to tell you that Sims is benched. Um, I could see them trotting him out this week against Louisiana Tech if he's healthy. Uh, It could be a perfect get-right game to give him an opportunity to get on page with some of these receivers and build some chemistry. However, that would be a disaster-ridden game, in my opinion. Nebraska should not come out and should not throw the ball. This should be a run the ball game. This should be control the clock, stick it on the ground, and just keep it there. Louisiana Tech is averaging. Their defense gives up 200 yards on the ground. Nebraska should blow by that this week. It doesn't matter who's at quarterback, who's at running back. This team should be at at least 300 yards on the ground by the end of the game. 
And just by that statement, Besol has not been watching the play Satterfield is calling because I believe that the Huskers are going to come out and try to put up over 200 yards through the air against the Louisiana Tech, as Besol said, the dogs, never even heard of them. However, I think that the Huskers are going to come out. They're going to try to pass the ball aggressively, and it's not really going to work out for them that well. I think going into half, the Huskers could go into half either very close or a one score game going into half. And when they come back out, if it is not changed and they do not go, you know, to a running offense or a running style, you know, hand the ball off, try to run the clock. I think this game could come down to, you know, a one to two score game at the end, but I still think the Huskers are going to pull it out. Hopefully you would think Satterfield's going to run the ball, especially when Louisiana tech has given up over 200 yards, just like Bissell said. However, the Huskers are only giving up 46 yards on the ground. I expect Louisiana tech to come out and try to pass the ball uh, very frequently. And I think the Huskers are coming away with two pretty big interceptions. I like it. Jason's on here talking about the Husker defense getting some takeaways finally. Yes, but I'm not saying that's what the game is coming down to is the takeaways. Well, my my guess here is I think the Huskers are going to come out, have another 200-plus yard rushing day, and have four rushing touchdowns amongst everybody in the group. So Harbaugh might have a couple. Sims might have one or two, depending on who they play. Emmett Johnson might have it. You know, uh, Anthony Grant might get one. That's my guess. Four rushing touchdowns at least. Now, who are you guys thinking um, against Louisiana Tech is going to be the player of the game? Who do you think is going to just show up and be the best player for the Huskers? Could be offense, could be defense. Who are you got? Who do you think it's going to be? I'm going with Ty Robinson on the defense. I think defensive line is, is owning the game for Nebraska, and I think Three-star tie is going to become four-star tie in this game. I'm going to stick with the defensive line as well, but I'm going to go with Nash will smash this Louisiana Tech front five. Listen, I I like both your guys' picks here. I think the D-line should get a lot of pressure here, especially it seems like Louisiana Tech wants to throw the ball. Uh, They have more yards uh, in their games passing than they do running, and it's not close uh, at the split. However, It would not surprise me if coming out of this game, everybody looks back as this being the Anthony Grant is back show. He could easily put up 150 yards himself against this defense, and it will lead everybody to be at the same point that T-Cell was last year when he said, run this guy for Heisman. I'm hoping he's got the Balkan ball security skills back but hope if he can do that it could be a perfect recipe to give the kids some confidence before michigan comes to town yeah and we're just talking about back-to-back terrible offensive coordinators mark whipple didn't know you know he couldn't hit water if it fell out of a boat with his play calling yeah whipple is somebody that i don't think we want to relive at all Hey, thanks for joining us for another week of the Sully Scoop. You're here with J-Sull. B-Sull. And T-Sull. And don't forget to follow and like and leave a comment on Twitter at Sully underscore Scoop to be on the Grandstand Gossip. But don't forget to follow. But don't forget you can listen to us on Apple, Spotify, or YouTube. And you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Go Big Red.